welcome to the Best of the Left podcast with clips today from Counterspin, The Young Turks, Countdown on MSNBC, and NPR. the White House is in low water with the press. Well, when reporters start to recast their glowing coverage of George W. Bush. Here's Howard Feynman in a critical column in the March 19th issue of Newsweek. Quote, at Harvard Business School, George W. Bush was what they called a skydecker, a guy who sat in the top back row of the lecture hall to minimize the risk of being called on. Close quote. Well, that doesn't sound so good. But turn back to Newsweek's December 25th, 2000 edition. That's back when Newsweek was trying to shore up the public image of Bush after he lost the popular vote and was placed in office by the Supreme Court. Bush's seating arrangement was news then, but listen to how Feynman wrote about it to answer questions about whether Bush had the smarts to be president. Quote, Bush is a quick enough study, and in fact, there is a method to his preppy casualness. At Harvard, he was what is still known as a skydecker, a student who chooses to sit in the top row of the horseshoe-shaped classroom amphitheater. Skydeckers sat back and listened, taking in the scene, contributing consensus-building observation from on high. Close quote. Feynman went on, quote, From the stratosphere, you could escape notice until you'd heard the flow of the talk. It suited his methods, and even now he'd much rather learn through briefings than paper, close quote. So Bush's incurious approach to the world used to be part of what made him so great. Now it's a real problem. Hmm, someone should have told us this sooner. You don't smile like you used to smile. You don't laugh like you used to laugh. You're trying to pretend, but what for? I don't think you love me anymore. You don't kiss like you kissed me before. The spark of love isn't there anymore. I love you every day, but what for? I don't think you love me Celebrating today are ExxonMobil, Shell, Total, and BP. The four major oil companies, Western, of course, uh, American, British, and actually French as well, uh, that are back in Iraq. Don't call it a comeback. <laughs> Guess who's back? ExxonMobil's back. And it's really interesting. First, what do I mean by they're back? Uh, Saddam Hussein, 36 years ago, took these same exact four companies, Exxon and Mobil had not merged at that point, but took these companies and threw them out of Iraq. The, in fact, the uh, former CEO of uh, Exxon had said, we used to run, we used to own that place, basically. Okay, I'll give you an exact quote in a second. In fact, I'll give it to you right now. He said, there's an enormous amount of oil in Iraq. You don't say, huh? I didn't know that. Uh, he, ex, uh, ex, former chief executive of Exxon, uh, of Exxon, Lee Raymond told Newsweek this last fall, admitting it and saying the history behind it. He said, we were part of the consortium, the four companies that were there when Saddam Hussein threw us out, and we basically had the whole country. Okay? Well, they now have the whole country again. Mission accomplished. 
Gee, I wonder if this war was about the oil. I wonder, I wonder. No, probably not. Probably not. Hey, you know what, press? Don't even ask the question. Mainstream media, mass media, whatever you want to call it. God forbid you should do a magazine cover that says, was it about the oil? That you should run that headline. They should analyze it in print or on TV. <laughs> I would get a good belly laugh out of that. Like TV is going to actually ask tough questions of government officials. Picture Wolf Blitzer asking that question. Please, right? Come on, man. You know, I don't know if you know this. The whole world thinks it was about the oil. You know who else thinks that? All of the Iraqi people. When you ask the Iraqis, why do you think America came into Iraq? They're like, the oil. Of course! Of course it was about the oil. Now the thing is, am I absolutely convinced that that was the only factor in our decision to invade Iraq? No, I'm not. I believe there was a confluence of uh, events and there were a number of different factors and people that had different agendas. Some was related to oil, some was related to boots on the ground in the Middle East, some was related to Israel. Uh, there were a lot of different things uh, that went into it. And some, did George Bush, just to be able to sleep at night, trick himself into thinking this really was about freedom? Maybe he even convinced himself of that, right? But might it occur to some journalists, if there were any journalists left in the United States of America, to ask government officials, hey, was it about the oil? And now, by the way, how did these four con uh, companies get those uh, contracts to have uh, the oil in Iraq? They don't have it. They, of course, are going to have some part of it for helping the, uh, helping the Iraqis extract it from the ground. Get a load of this. No bid contracts. Over, over 40 of the largest oil companies in the world wanted to bid on these contracts. It's not like there weren't other people interested. Luke Oil from Russia, companies from China, India, huge oil companies that could have done the job just as well. But you know what? It turns out that American oil companies have been there for a couple of years helping the oil ministry of Iraq without charge, out of the goodness of their heart. And so they wound up being the ones that got the uh, contracts. Who could have figured? I didn't see that coming. And when you ask ExxonMobil, they say, oh, no, 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 uh, us profit from this? Well, I suppose we will. I suppose there's a lot of oil in Iraq. And people think there's a lot of potential there as well, because they're right now producing 2.5 billion gallons. But we think uh, we, we can get them up to uh, 6 billion. Uh, but no, we, uh, this is about helping the Iraqi people. Oh, is it? Oh, God, it's a good thing we have some good Samaritans at ExxonMobil in this country who are looking to help the people of Iraq. Come on! How could the media be this credulous? How could they sit there and take this and not write any stories about, hey, maybe this entire invasion and all of these people dying, over 4,000 Americans dying, let alone hundreds of thousands of Iraqis, let alone 40,000 Americans wounded and maimed, and maybe it was about the oil. And they never even said, that's why when you go outside the country and you watch the press from other uh, news outlets throughout the world, you'll. It's like eye-opening. I have friends that go to Europe or to other places, and they come back, they're like, do you know what the rest of the world is saying? Yeah, I know. And that's why Lara Logan said on The Daily Show the other day, I can't even watch the U.S. press. It's become a propaganda machine where they just, you're supposed to, the whole point of the press was supposed to question the government, to be a watchdog of the government, not to be a lapdog of the government. Now all they do is they sit there and print propaganda. They view the government as the most credible source they have, when in fact they should treat it as the most skeptical source they have. Ah, the government said it, so I don't know what their real aims are. It should be the first thing through the mind of a reporter. These days in America, it's the last thing through the mind of a reporter. Mortar's like, <laughs> look, this is legitimate. This is credible. It was given to me by the Bush administration. I mean, we don't even do journalism in this country anymore. There are some great outlets that still do it. McClatchy newspapers. Wow, they did a five-part series on all the detainee abuse and torture we've done. It blows you away. We've got to put that up on the website. Amazing set of stories. In fact, the next story I have comes from McClatchy newspapers as well. And the New York Times is reporting on this deal. But, and, and you know, you're reading the New York Times article on this, you get a sense of a wink and a nod. We think it might be about the oil, but we can't say because that would be, you know, very forbidden in American journalism to suggest that it might actually have something to do with the oil.
Can, shush, shush. You can only kind of hint at it a little bit and then run away, right? But overall, 90% of the media, a horrific job, a terrible job. They talk about lessons learned. What lesson did you learn from the lead up to the Iraq war? So, oh no, we found out it wasn't about the weapons of mass destruction and it wasn't about uh, links to Al-Qaeda. Really? So then what the hell was it about? Maybe the oil? No, no, shh. Don't ask the question. Don't ask. Don't ask, don't tell. So now, <laughs> mission accomplished, ExxonMobil and the rest of them are back in Iraq, sitting on top of the oil, and they got it through no-bid contracts. The press in America, the mass media, is fundamentally broken. This show is produced with the help of the members of the Best of the Left community. You too can be a part of the show, and we would love your help. You can submit information about great clips you've heard, volunteer to help edit these clips for the show, or actually become an occasional guest producer. For more information, please visit the community at bestoftheleftpodcast.com. Media News Directors Mark Halprin and John Harris provided an important glimpse into their thinking when they declared flatly, in a book they co-authored, Matt Drudge Rules Our World. No outlet apart from AP has more power in U.S. newsrooms, the executives declared. Blogger Will Bunch reminded readers of that influence as he called attention to one of Drudge's latest efforts, promoting a story that the military escalation in Iraq is having a remarkably positive effect. Baghdad security crackdown seriously curbs killings of U.S. soldiers, was the headline on the March 18th piece, but as Bunch demonstrates, it didn't take much to poke holes in that assessment. The story sourcing to the Kuwait news agency rather than an independent outlet was a troubling sign, but it also turns out that the numbers cited didn't even include the entire country of Iraq, excluding several provinces. Bunch writes a regular feature on statistics for the Philadelphia Daily News. His search found a number for U.S. troops killed in Iraq more than four times higher for the period in question than that cited in the piece Drudge was promoting. Promoting, remember, to media news directors who by their own assessment hang on his every word. Bunch's point was not that there has been no recent decline in deaths, but he does point out that Americans are still dying now in Iraq at a rate higher than average for the overall war. So if there's going to be any spin on recent and events, the language security crackdown curbing killings seems far from appropriate. That was the spin for the Washington Post's Howard Kurtz, though. His questioning on the March 18th Reliable Sources show he hosts on CNN must have resonated strongly with those who'd read Drudge that morning. Kurtz put it to his reporter guest that, quote, it seems there's almost a built-in assumption in the media these days that the war is going badly. The surge will be ineffective, close quote. Citing a reported reduction in civilian deaths in Iraq, Kurtz asked what accounted for what he called very little coverage of the good news. And he stayed on the point asking, quote, how do you assess how the conflict is going, the surge is going, especially when the spectacular attacks, the big car bomb, the suicide bombing that kills 20, 30, 50 people tends to eat up airtime on television, close quote. Some might say that question sort of answers itself. Kurtz made no reference to Matt Drudge that day. Interestingly, though, he did frame the show's other segment on the Justice Department's firing of federal prosecutors by questioning whether liberal bloggers hammering the story might be affecting the news judgment of mainstream reporters. The moon was all ago and heaven was in your eyes. The night that you took
that you told me Those little white lies I try But there's no forgetting when evening appears I sigh But there's no regretting in spite of my tears The devil was in your heart But heaven was in your eyes The night that you told me Those little white lies The press in America, the mass media, is fundamentally broken. It's not going to get fixed overnight. It's not going to get fixed if, you know, a Democrat wins the presidency or they control Congress more. It's not going to happen over a year or even two years. This has to be fundamentally addressed because the media ha have forgotten what their jobs are. If Obama becomes president, they're just going to be his sycophants. And I don't want that either. I also don't want them to be stupid like they were during the Clinton era and just bite at everything that Drudge and Fox News Channel throws their way. Okay, what happened? Uh, the cat was, uh, Bill Clinton's cat needs to be investigated. Everything he's ever done, did he misplace that file? Where did he put it? Uh, who did he sleep with? No, I don't need you to jump at that. Reality, reality, important issues. Tackle it. Don't just trust the government. I don't want you to trust Obama's Pentagon either. Everybody's going to have an agenda. You need to figure out what that agenda is. I mean, I'm like yelling at the press here, and I'm sure if you know anybody from the press is actually watching, they'd be like, huh, get a load of this guy. How dare he tell us what to do? We're the establishment. Huh, we're legitimate. We're here, and we got here by getting on our knees. So how dare he question us? I'm going to continue to stay on my knees. You are, dude. You're on your knees. You don't question a damn thing the Bush administration says. Get, you know, I got myself worked up, man. There's some old school anger. Up and at him. Okay, here's story number two. McClatchy newspapers uh, bring it to you because nobody else is. You would think this would be a large story. Former Major General a Antonio Taguba, who wrote the Taguba report into the detainee abuse uh, in Iraq, Afghanistan, and Guantanamo Bay, is now coming out and saying the Bush administration committed war crimes. War crimes. No ands, ifs, or buts. Loris Wilkerson saying in front of Congress, we'll get to him in a second, that we murdered at least 25 people while uh, torturing them. And other acts, we beat people, electrical shocks, sexual humiliation, cruel practices, stress positions, Palestinian hangings, throwing people off of bridges. A new report by the uh, Physicians for Human Rights identified the same exact problems before. We got a major general saying, the guy who investigated it, saying, we have committed war crimes and people need to be punished for this. Shouldn't this be colossal news? Shouldn't this be on every major newspaper's headlines? Newsweek and Time, shouldn't they run it? Oh my God, the U.S. government committed war crimes. Shouldn't it be leading every single network's news? Shouldn't they spend five to ten minutes on it out of their 22 minutes? If you turn on cable news, shouldn't you be talking about who's going to get indicted for war crimes? And should they get arrested? What should be the punishment? Is it Rumsfeld? Is it Cheney? Is it Bush? Who committed the war crimes? Who did torture in the name of America? Instead, a wall of silence. Because the media, they don't know how to do their job. They've forgotten what their job is. They think their job is to be the secretary for the government. Uh, what did you say, sir? Can I take more dictation? What other propaganda would you like me to print for you and what would feed into Wolf Blitzer's mouth so he could say it on TV? Well, he pretends to be a journalist, the best journalist team or whatever the hell they call themselves on CNN now. Please, you're a goddamn joke. War crimes. This isn't some liberal, whatever, you know, like as if that's a bad word, right? This isn't some uh, opponent of the administration. This isn't some far-flung group. It's the major general who investigated this for the Pentagon saying we have committed war crimes and not a damn peep. The press in this country is fundamentally broken. They don't know what their job is. They're supposed to be watchdogs. Instead, they're lapdogs. They're pathetic. They don't know how to question the government at all. At all. Especially the people on TV. Listen to what the former chief of staff
for Colin Powell says. Okay, he's in front of the house. You think this might make some kind of news? Lawrence Wilkerson, chief of staff for our Secretary of State. Listen to what he says. Go ahead. Colonel Wilkerson, in your prepared uh, testimony, you write that um, as I compiled my dossier for Secretary Powell, and as I did further research, and as my views grew firmer and firmer, I needed frequently to reread re re that memo. That is to say, the uh, memorandum of February 7, 2002. I needed to balance in my own mind the overwhelming evidence that my own government had sanctioned abuse and torture, which at its worst had led to the murder of 25 detainees and a total of at least 100 detainee deaths. We had murdered 25 or more people in detention. That was the clear low point of the evidence. So your testimony is that 100 uh, detainees uh, have died in, uh, in detention, and that you believe 25 of those were in effect murdered? Mr. Chairman, I think the number is actually higher than that now. The last time I checked, it was about 108, and the total number that were declared homicides by the military services or by the CIA or others doing investigations, CID and so forth, was 25, 26, 27. We declared homicides. Right. And starting I mean, as early as December in Afghanistan. And these were homicides committed by people uh, uh, con uh, uh, engaged in interrogation? Or in guarding prisoners or something like that, yes. So People who were in detention. They were in detention. These weren't people killed trying to escape or something. They were no. declared homicides by own, our own authorities. Right. Declared homicides by our own authorities. I mean, there's a guy, uh, we, sh we have the pictures, there was a guy who was beaten to death, and his chest was, com uh, they sat on his chest and compressed his chest until he suffocated, and then we put, took pictures of them with our thumbs up, going, and just the other day on British TV, uh, George Bush, who did he blame? Even though there are memos written about take the gloves off and do this, this, and this, who did he blame? He blamed the soldiers. It's all the soldiers' fault. Classy act, real classy act. So at least the Democrats are having hearings about it, and at least we hear about it a little bit through them. Did you hear that on cable news? Did you see that all over the paper? When you picked up your paper this morning, did you hear about uh, uh, Colonel Wilkerson's uh, commentary that we've uh, murdered all these detainees? No, nothing. Shush, shush, don't talk about it. So uh, what are the Republicans doing in the meanwhile? Well, we have Representative Pete Sessions, the Republican from Texas, and uh, he thinks the fact that the uh, oil company, that we, you know, he doesn't speak to whether he thinks it was a good idea to start this war for oil, but he thinks it's a wonderful coincidence that the oil happened to our oil companies happen to get the oil in Iraq anyway. He says they're not the enemy; they're the good guys. Listen to this Republican. And what do we hear back from Washington D.C.? Let's sue OPEC. Let's tax big oil. Let's stick it to big oil. Well, in fact, what we ought to be saying is that energy companies are our friend. <laughs> energy companies need to and want to supply cost-effective and reliable opportunities for the American public to have gasoline without long lines. What, what, is the, what are the energy companies saying? They're saying, please give us the opportunity to go where there is oil or the perception that there's oil and go looking for it and provide it to the American public. It's American security. <laughs> I love that. Where there's a perception of oil. You think there might be some oil in Iraq? I guess there's a perception about that. And he said, we want to provide it for the American people at a really high markup. That is our desire for the American people. That's what the big oil companies say. Can we not let them help us that way? But there you have it. The Republicans in a nutshell. What? Big oil is our friends. Well, Representative Sessions, you write about yourself. I'm, sh I'm positive they give you money. You're from Texas. And uh, they're your friends, and they're the Republican Party's friends, but they're not our friends. And they're not doing it to help the American uh, people. They're doing it for their shareholders, which is legitimate. But we need to keep an eye on them because their interest is not in the American people. It's in the bottom line and how much they get paid. Uh, well, the only upside to this is with speeches like that, the Republicans just grab a hold of some more rope and say, all right, 
tree should we hang ourselves from? Because you know what? The American people are in no mood to hear about how much big oil is looking to help them and how great an idea the Iraq invasion was, because at least it put big oil in Iraq. Great. Here's some rope. Enjoy yourself. There are three huge things you can do to help support the show, but they only take a few seconds. Leave us a great customer review in the iTunes Music Store, dig the show on dig.com, and every month you can vote for the best of the left at podcastalley.com. Find links to all three of these most important sites on the right-hand side at bestoftheleftpodcast.com. Thanks for your support. Our fourth story tonight from the former White House press secretary himself, word that the Bush White House routinely sent, and as far as we know still sends, literal talking points to Fox News for its primetime propagandists, Bill O'Reilly, Sean Hannity, and the others, to spout as if ventriloquist dummies, as if they had thought of it themselves, as if they had come to those opinions independently, as if there had been a process that was either fair or balanced. Former Bush press secretary Scott McClellan appearing this evening on MSNBC's Hardball, ripped once and for all the fig leaf off the Fox News claim of fairness, of integrity, ending one would hope forever the debate over whether a government has really used private media as a propaganda outlet. Some of the wrong judgments, but certainly the, there were commentators and, and others, pundits at Fox News that were helpful to the White House. And the, certainly, yes, yeah, certainly we got talking points say, to those call people. Call Sean, call a Bill, call whoever. Did you do certainly, that as a regular thing? I, I, it wasn't necessarily something I was doing, but it was something that we at the White House, yes, were doing and getting them talking points and making sure they knew where we were so coming from. So you were from. giving them talking points. But, but I would separate the no, journalists. No, important. Yeah. You were using these commentators as your spokespeople. Well, certainly. I mean, certainly. I think certainly. that happens to both ways when people go on other networks as well that are that are uh, favorable towards the Democrats and so well, forth. Nobody's ever but, fed me any crap like that, so I don't know what you're talking <laughs> well, about. You're, you're an independent-minded guy. I, I, thank you. Yeah. But I'm, aren't you a little embarrassed by the fact that your White House used a, a television network, which is purportedly fair and balanced, well, as I, your mouthpiece? I think everybody in this town uses people that are going to be helpful to their cause to try to shape the narrative to their network? advantage. I, again, I would separate the journalists, because the journalists that I work with uh, were people just like the rest of the White House press so corps who were trying use, to report the news. You would use somebody to sell stuff for, but you'd use the nighttime guys. Yeah, I, I, would, I would separate that out. And certainly, uh, you know, and then they'll say that that's because they agree with those views in the White House. Well, they didn't need a script, though, did they? Uh, well, probably not. That Rupert Murdoch put neocons on the air under the leadership of GOP operative Roger Ailes is no secret, but Fox has always maintained, with more or less a straight face, that it was striving for some sort of journalistic objectivity. Over the phone tonight, Scott McClellan told us it was done frequently, especially on high-profile issues, and Countdown asked whether Fox ever gave the White House its desired results. Scott said yes. We asked the White House about McClellan's statements on hardball. Current Press Secretary Dana Perino said, quote, I'm not aware of that, and declined to comment further. Let's bring in MSNBC political analyst, Air America radio host, Rachel Maddow. Good evening, Rachel. Hi, Keith. Set this in proportion for us. I mean, yeah, it's Claude Rains in Casablanca, but if we knew this, what does this mean? Do you suddenly feel like 4% less paranoid than you did this afternoon? I'm worried that it makes me naive that I'm angry. Wow. <laughs> I'm worried this actually makes me mad. I'm not I'm not mad at Fox. I feel like, you know, they they make their peace with themselves and their god and, you know, they they pledge allegiance to nobody other than the bank at which they cash their paychecks every week. But I'm mad at the government for facilitating this. I'm mad at the the leadership of our government which swears to uphold the constitution and it's supposed to be illegal in America to propagandize the American people. It is supposed to be illegal for our government to covertly choose some sort of press organ that is represented to the American people as if it is a press organ, laughable as that may be, and is, and, and is feeding us stuff that is actually propaganda from our government. The American government is not supposed to have a state organ in the press um, that, is, that is shoving the stuff down our throats as if it is news. It's not supposed to work this way in this country. 
country. All right, to McClellan's point, everybody in the business has contacts, friends, etc., in politics, in campaigns, and so on. Your principal outlet, Air America, is openly allied with Democrats and Democratic causes. Explain where the line is between appropriate communications there and how the O'Reillys and the Hannitys and friends and the White House, in this case, cross that line. It's not rocket science. It is sixth grade journalism class level stuff. Don't lie. Be transparent about what it is that you're doing. If you got a statement from the White House, you say, we got a statement from the White House about this today. If you got a statement from the McCain campaign or from the Obama campaign or from your Aunt Millie, you say, Aunt Millie, John McCain or Barack Obama told us this today. It doesn't even sound bad when you put it that way. You just have to be transparent about where your content comes from. Don't lie. Don't be Pravda. Um, the, uh, the fact that the White House paid people to echo its opinions and the Pentagon uploaded its own opinions to military guests and, and comedian Rush Limbaugh described himself as a water carrier, expressed relief after the midterms in 2006 that he could stop carrying water for the undeserving. But now Fox. Does anyone actually believe the right-wing stuff they spout or are all they doing just sort of making a buck to keep the, hip the masses hypnotized? I don't know if the question is so much about um, about Fox and about the right-wing talk show host, because it's it's well known, it's well documented that the conservative movement made a deliberate decision to sort of erect a, a, a pageant around their conservative media, a sort of pageant of journalism, that they would dress it up like journalism, they would make it look like journalism, they would even call it journalism in some cases, but it would be designed to advance the conservative movement's agenda. And we're seeing it come to fruition in a very you know monetarily successful way in Fox News, but also in talk radio and a lot of other ways. I don't think that their credibility is the thing that we've learned something new about or the thing that it was even really in question in terms of where the country goes from here. They can do whatever they want. The question is whether or not the elected government of the United States of America will help them and will enable them and will sell it to us as if that's real news. It is one thing for the White House to say, we like what Fox News does or we like what Rush Limbaugh does. It's another thing for them to use them. Uh, as Chris, I think, rightly pointed out to Scott McClellan, uh, to, to, to use them as spokespeople without acknowledging that's what they're doing. That's propaganda and it's supposed to be illegal. There you go. Uh, just for the record, the White House declined to comment. I'm, we're expecting Dana Perino is probably waiting for somebody to write her some talking points. They transferred us to Fox. Fox did not return our call. So just for the record, uh, and, and I wrote all that myself. Uh, Rachel Maddow of MSNBC and Air America. Thanks, Rach. Have a good weekend. You too, Keith. Thank you. The Sly Fox Cyclops locked in the idiot box. The video slots broadcast the Waco Davidian plots. They own YouTube, MySpace. When this ignorance gonna stop, they monopolize the news, your views, and the channel you choose. Propaganda, visual cancer, the eye in the sky, number five on the dial. Secret agenda, frequency antenna, Dr. Mindbender. Remote control, soul controller, your brain holder, slave culture, game's over. What's a Fox characteristic? Slick sensing, misinformation, pimp the station, overstimulation. Reception, deception, Comcast, digital Satan. The fox has a bushy tail, and bush tails lies in fox trots. So I don't know what's real. What's real. Watch what you watching. Fox keeps feeding us toxins. Stop sleeping, start thinking outside of the box and unplug from the matrix doctrine. But watch what you say, big brother is watching. Watch what you watching. Fox keeps feeding us toxins. Stop sleeping, start thinking outside of the box and unplug from the matrix doctrine. But watch what you say, Fox Five is watching. Fear factor got you all riled up. Oh, rally, oh, really? No rally needed. I'll tie you up. Network for child predators, setting them up. MySpace pimps and sluts. Y'all exploit rap culture, then y'all flip on us. And you own the post, and y'all shit on us. What is they net worth? They gonna try to censor my next verse, throw them off the roof neck first. While I'm clicking my cursor, reading blogs about pressure they put on Universal. It gets worse while I'm clicking my mouse While they kicking my house They figured us out Why a nigga go south It's either he caught a body Don't sleep, they watching I watch CBS And I CBS Trying to track us down with GPS Make a nigga wanna invest in PBS Watch what you watching Fox keeps feeding us toxins Stop sleeping, start thinking outside of the box And unplug from the Matrix doctrine But watch what you say, big brother is watching Watch what you watching Fox keeps feeding us toxins Stop sleeping and start thinking outside of the box and unplug from the matrix doctrine. But watch what you say, Fox 5 is watching. They say I'm all about murder, murder, and kill, kill. But what about Grindhouse and Kill Bill? What about Cheney and Halliburton? 
The backdoor deals on all your fields. How's Nas the most violent person? Y'all know talent if it hits you. Bringing up my criminal possession charges with a pistol. Pistol. I use Viacom as my firearm to let the lyrics split you. Who do you rely upon? To shoot shells at Leviathan. I'm dealing with the higher form. If you care of how I write a poem. Only Fox that I love was the red one. Only black man that Fox love is in jail or a dead one. Red rum, political bedlam. Don't let the hype into your eyes and eardrum. Murdoch on Fox, not 18 with Barakas. And he hate Barakas, he march with the marches. marches. I pledge allegiance to the fair and balanced truth. Not the biased truth, not the liar's truth, but the highest truth. I will not be deceived, nor will I believe in the propaganda. I will not fall for the okie doke. I am tuned in. Watch what you watch. Watch what you watch. Don't forget now, he's lost the American people. You know, sometimes when you turn on cable news, you don't get that sense. So these days you do, largely, honestly. But sometimes they slip back into Bush is a great guy or whatever. Or it's not that Bush is a great guy. I, I don't even want to go that far. But they don't give you a sense of the true, absolute outrage of the country. I saw a Newsweek poll uh, just in the last week's issue. In uh, April 10th of 2003, right after the war started, his uh, popularity was 71%. His popularity today, President Bush, is 31%. Uh, if you're not, you know, enmeshed in politics, it's, it's, if it's not what you live and breathe and it's not something you do professionally, it's hard for me to explain how big a number 40% is. Okay, losing 40% of the people is enormous. Yeah. Especially in a day and age when we have a divided electorate. When it's nearly 50-50 on everything, right? Or you know, so we're told. So we're told. That's yeah. very true, Rick. But but to be fair, now in the last couple of presidential elections, it has been 50-50, right? Or so we're told. <laughs> or so we're, we're told. We're going right. to the MSM for all of this, you know. I mean, a lot of those numbers are that these are uh, these are Zogby comes close at times, but the, even Zogby has to deal with the mechanism of some larger things that take these polls for them. That, that's true, but let's take those assumptions as as true for now because there's plenty good enough. In in a situation like that, for somebody to lose forty percent of the electorate, I mean, that is gigantic. To go from seventy one percent to thirty one percent, thirty one percent is horrible. It's a horrible approval rating for a president. And what people don't get is, you know, every once in a while they'll show up a poll because they got to do on the other hand. On the one hand. Everybody hates Bush, but on the other hand, there is no on the other hand, so they have to invent one. And the invented one is they'll show the numbers for George H.W. Bush, Truman, uh, you know, Clinton, and, and and other presidents they can find. They'll go all the way back to Calvin Coolidge, et cetera, whenever the popularity <laughs> ratings right. were taken, and say, you see, at one point, they all dipped to 33%, so they were kind of close to the president. But no, but those presidents, if you look at it, they all dipped at some point and came right back up. It was like some big scandal or bad piece of news on top of bad piece of news. They dipped and then they Second came back. Second term up. blues, then they're supposed to bounce right back out. Yeah. Exactly. What they're not telling you is Bush has stayed there for years now. He mm. stayed there for a year and a he half. He started there. We bring fed false numbers about him from the beginning. We had a gut feeling about this pinhead from day one. And so, you know, there is a deep, deep, disliking of this president throughout the country mm -hmm. and then you know you got the right wing talking about how you know liberals out of the mainstream or you know progressives or moderates or air america or democrats or whatever you want to say and what they're and what they've convinced the mainstream media of and which drives me absolutely crazy it is the exact opposite of the truth the truth is He's out of the mainstream. Yeah, that's right. This administration is way out of the mainstream, and they've been out of the mainstream for a long time. The right-wing media is cancer. They are journalistic cancer. They are a tumor to America, and they are killing us every day. They have gotten lots of our American children killed. They are murderers. And one day, there will be an accounting for what these guys did, just like in all the other countries that pulled this stuff. You know, I, I don't know what kind of accounting there's going to be. I mean, I forget the murder stuff. I mean, I'd like to have an accounting of people just saying, "Hey, you know what? It turns out Fox News Channel isn't don't doesn't do journalism. We haven't even gotten to step one. You know, 
<laughs> but you still got CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, all these guys pretending that Fox is a real reporting organization. Fox is masturbation for the id. It rewards your worst traits. Everything that is low and petty and cheap and racist about you gets stroked and enlarged. And everything that's noble and good is mocked and shrunk. It's satanic. It's like a devil's coin. That thing. Uh, They are truly poisonous. Rick, let me give you one piece of encouraging news. You know, yesterday we uh, reported a case of the uh, online uh, uh, African-American groups and also colorofchange.org. That's kind of like the black move on uh, asking the Congressional Black Caucus to move their presidential debate off of Fox News Channel. that. Yeah. And it, it has succeeded. The Congressional sure. Black Caucus, after getting the pressure initially, they were uh, a little reluctant, a little resistant. But uh, by the end of the day, they had reported that they were going to switch the debate to CNN. So we got Fox on the ropes. Look, and if you think this stuff doesn't matter, you're wrong. They take this stuff very seriously at Fox. They're losing their credibility. They're losing their legitimacy. And they're enraged about it. And and that's a great thing. Okay. And don't expect them to tell the truth about why. Of now course. expect, like every bully, punk, monster, enfant terrible, child, brat that they all are, because none of them have a sense of humor that goes past, like, a sixth grader. So they're all twelve-year-olds, you know. You look at their look at their comedy show, half-hour comedy hour. Oh, please! You've got to get a pipe wrench to twist the knob on the laugh machine to squeak a laugh out of a computer for this show. <laughs> yeah, even the computer doesn't Does, want to laugh. Yeah, it's arguing. You press you. the laugh button, it's, and it's like, yeah, mm. I don't know about that last one. <laughs> delete, delete. And, and that that tells you this is a marker point. It's the X in the in the parking lot mall map of where they're parked in their heads. That's why they let Colbert in. They didn't know he was kidding. That's how stupid they actually are. It's an Achilles heel. Well, you know, Rick, you're literally right about that. Tom DeLay put up a Colbert Report uh, uh, interview with Robert Greenwald, the man who did the Fox Attacks uh, Black America that was so successful in one day was successful in this uh, Color of Change story we just told you about. Uh, And Tom DeLay put up that on his own website. Like, he thought Colbert was being serious. He's like, look, he got Robert Greenwald. They have no idea. They have no sense of humor, and they just don't understand what's happening at all. And they're trying to look like they do now. They're trying to do the fake hip version of everything, you know, and watching them tangle and tumble over it is kind of interesting. We can warn them. We're telling you this is what you're doing wrong. Listen to these notes. Make changes. You'll do them wrong because you're not smart enough to do it right. And you can't pay someone to be that kind of smart. There is a place reserved for me and my friends. And when we go, we all will go. So you see, I'm never alone. Oh, there is a place with a bit more time. Elizabeth and John Edwards went on 60 Minutes last week to discuss her cancer and his candidacy. Since then, day-to-day writer Brian Unger has been reviewing how Katie Couric handled the interview. There is still so much confusion over Couric's interview. There are some, in certain circles, who say it was too tough. Others call it fair. And there are even those 
who suggest Couric's scrutiny was justified given John Edwards' decision to stay in the presidential race. Some say, isn't it wonderful they care for something greater than themselves? Statements like that didn't seem to bother viewers, but ones like this did. And I think some people wondered if you were in denial. While this seemed reasonable. And some say what you're doing is courageous. This struck people as unreasonable. Others say it's callous. Along with this. Some have suggested that you're capitalizing on this. And even this. And others say it's a case of insatiable ambition. Whoa, the controversy over Couric's journalistic joust with the Edwardses is simply a misunderstanding about her carefully cultivated sources. The some people, the others, and the those. Now first to clarify the some people Couric talked to. Some people live somewhere. There they say some things about something and sometimes many things about a lot of stuff. They aren't something special, but they've got something awful to say when something's not right. I guess some people would say there's some middle ground. You don't have to necessarily stay at home and feel sorry for yourself. Journalists like Couric don't have time to identify some people one by one. That would take forever. So, like in fiction, the some people are really a composite of a bunch of people or her cleaning lady. Just trust her. These some people are out there, somewhere. Some people watching this would say, I would put my family first always and my job second. And you're doing the exact opposite. Here, Couric is so close to her some people sources, she can intuit what they are saying even when they are somewhere else at the same time. Couric also leaned heavily on sources she refers to as the others. Here they are again. Others say it's callous. Thing to remember about the others, they are not some people. Most journalists find others in some other place, doing other things with other people, not some people, ever. Others tend to be marginalized, reactionary, and otherwise. The others and some people are both distant cousins of the those. Couric talked to those, too. Even those who may be very empathetic, to what you all are facing might question your ability to run the country. Those float out there in the ether, rarely have names and congregate with all those people, those of their own kind, never with others and wouldn't be caught dead with some people. So who are all these people, you may ask? The others lean toward libertarianism, the some people are typically moderates, and the those tend to be Republicans. Can you understand their concern, though? Yes, but most importantly, they know who they are. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm happy to be able to provide you with another show uh, in less than two weeks. That's uh, better than average for how we've been doing recently. Uh, I mentioned last time that we had some exciting news in the works, uh, ways that's going to make the show run better, uh, make it easier for people to help. That's still in the works, seeing as uh, everyone uh, on the show, uh, everyone working behind the scenes here does it all. In our spare time outside of our full-time jobs, it's taken us just a little while to get the website updated with new information and details and, and whatnot to make it very uh, easy and clear for everyone to understand. So um, keep your ears peeled and uh, check out the website if you like. Uh, we, I, I will be making an announcement soon about uh, the website being updated with some new information, and uh, you'll be able to check it out then. Uh, in the meantime... We have a, a, a few shows in the pipeline, and uh, so n no worries. We're not going anywhere. Um, we're we're going to be going strong here real soon. So uh, if you would, please help us out, help promote the show, as we always ask. Uh, just, you know, do what you, do what you can. Take a few minutes. Uh, vote for us at podcastalley.com, and uh, leave us beautiful uh fawning reviews in the iTunes Music Store, that sort of thing. And check out the website and check out uh, all the ways that you can help support the show. It only takes a few minutes and, and really helps us out, gets new listeners involved, and 
As you all know, there's an election coming up, trying to reach as many people as possible, obviously. So help spread the word about the show, and uh, it would be greatly appreciated. I would just like to give you a heads up, and I'm going to continue to be giving you a heads up about this. The podcast awards are coming down the pike soon. Uh, They're barreling right down on us. I I don't have the the start date in, uh, in front of me at the moment, but... What will be happening is there will be a nomination period, which will go for a certain amount of time, I believe one week, and then a voting period, which will go for, uh, I believe, again, one week uh, following nominations. So I just want to get that in your heads uh, starting now and, uh, and coming soon. Check out podcastawards.com and in the news and politics section you want to nominate the best of left podcast if you would please and uh, so that'll be coming up soon uh, check their website for the exact day that it'll start and uh, you can better believe that i will be reminding you in the uh, in the weeks to come so exciting stuff you know uh the the, the very first year best left podcast was in existence we we did get nominated and moved on to the voting portion of uh of the awards and it was very exciting we're a brand new show and you know very small and new but uh, the fans were uh aggressive enough that they helped us get into the voting category and then we got slaughtered by a nationally syndicated radio show who uh who won and I think has won every year since then, but I, I'm not 100% positive on that. But anyway, just getting nominated, you know, it's they say it's an honor to be nominated, which is nice, but it, it just uh, raises your profile anyways, and, and people find the show just by looking at the uh, nominations. So that's, uh, that's always nice, too. All right, that's it for today. My name is Jay. This has been the Best of Left Podcast, coming to you from bestoflefpodcast.com. Oops, very important postscript. I forgot to mention this episode was produced by our fantastic guest producer, Awesome, who's done uh, fantastic work for us in the past. I was very happy to be able to put him back to work again, and so we uh, look forward to more outstanding shows from him in the future. And now we're done. Burning on a shining sheet The only maker that you want to meet A dying man in a living room Whose shadow bases the floor Who take you out in the open door This is not my life It's just a fond farewell to a friend